0: Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. To preach this morning, um, Gabe and Mark are gallivanting in New York City at the moment. No, I'm just joking. They are, but um, but they um, they are on a trip uh, a trip that uh, they've been planning for quite a while. But just to be inspired, they're spending some time with some key church leaders. Um, in that part of the world, and um, they have had long days. The jet lag is a real thing, and the, um, they've been at the Grow Conference, which is a phenomenal moment that happens in the U.S., and now they're in New York meeting with uh, church leaders and just getting inspired because we believe it's important to, to be inspired, to learn from other people so that we can grow and get better. Um, so send them a WhatsApp. Tell them, hope you're having an incredible time. They are working hard, um, but we really believe it's going to be, um, uh, benefit us in an incredible way when our leaders grow and get better. Is that fair? Wonderful. Um, so as you guys know, last weekend was the ladies' conference. Um, I was there. I know, just because I really wanted some good preaching, so I thought I'd come to the ladies' conference. No, I'm just I mean, there. We go. Very good. Um, but but really, it was a phenomenal weekend. I would encourage you again: get stuck into the groups, ladies. Last week, because um, some of you are still in the she's still signing up phase. That's okay, but you want to get to the She's Still There groups. Um, And really, last year we had 150 ladies who attended those groups. And it's not only an opportunity for you to come and study the Word and grow. It's actually a phenomenal opportunity to invite a friend. Invite a colleague, invite, there will be cake, there will be coffees on the go, um, it will be a well-facilitated moment. And we'd love to encourage you, invite friends, let them come and join us. It's amazing what how community can influence people's lives. And actually by making some friends, it's incredible what God will do. So can I encourage you to do that? And then our city launch, or rather our city worship night as we um, get, head towards our launch, really they are beautiful moments. We had just under 200 people at our last worship night. And we'd love to invite you, even if you aren't planning to be part of it. Come and join us. It's going to be an amazing time, if at the very least, to worship God in our beautiful city. Lovely. So we're going to get stuck in this morning. You guys might have, um, my name is Tyler, if you don't know me. That's my amazing wife, Kate, sitting in the front. There we go. Um, it's very, very, very nice, very, very wonderful wife. I have to say that when I'm up front. It's very important. Um, but really just um, have a, a, as we carry on and as we kick off into the series, over the last four weeks, we've been speaking on a topic called Break Camp. Um, and for many of you, for those of you who haven't been yet, it's centered in the first chapter of Deuteronomy, where um, the Israelites are at a place called Horeb, and then Moses gets a word from God, and the word from God is, you need to break camp, you need to go, you need to go to a new place, and and it really is a phenomenal um, book filled with incredible God stories, and, and just as a caveat to starting, I want to say that often I think we read the Bible through the lens of, oh, those are cool stories, we go, wow, those, you know, that's got a real good moral lesson for me to learn. And, and I think sometimes that you can apply it like that, but actually fundamentally we are looking for two things when we read the Bible. One, we are looking for Jesus. What is God saying? And secondly, we want to read the Bible in a, in a way that applies to our lives, understanding that the people that we are reading about were real people facing real decisions, real challenges, and actually God was very real to them at that time. And I believe that when we read the Bible in that light, we are able to grow and become more like Christ in a much bigger way. Why? Because we understand that actually the same way they face these realities, we can apply the Word of God to our own lives and grow in the same way. Is that good? Lovely. So we're going to get stuck into some scripture this morning. If you have your Bible with you, please open to Deuteronomy 1, verse 1. We're going to read until verse 8. It will be on the screen behind me. Um, Let's read the Word of God together. The command to leave Horeb. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the wilderness east of the Jordan. That is, in the Arabah. Opposite soup, funny name for a place, soup. um, Between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hazeroth, and Dizahab. Sounds like a rapper's name, Dizahab. I don't know, it's how my brain works. Apologize. Um, and it takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh, Barnabi, the Mount Si. These names are ridiculous. Absolutely. I've read this like six times going, I'm going to get these names right on Sunday. And alas. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. This was after he had defeated Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, And at Adri had defeated Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Astaroth. East of the Jordan, in the territory of Moab, Moses began to expound this law, saying, and this is Moses speaking what God had spoken to the people. The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast, to the lands of the, the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon, as far as the great river Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore He would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. Let's pray together before we get stuck in. Father... I thank you as we read your word this morning, we know that your word is the only thing that can transform us, Jesus. We pray, Holy Spirit, as we engage with your word, as we read and as we expound your word, Jesus, you would transform our hearts. I pray that this would not simply be another Sunday, Father, but rather a moment for us to engage with our Heavenly Father. Pray that we would see your face, Jesus, as we read and explore your word, God. I pray this morning you would call us to so much more, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this is a a, an intriguing piece of Scripture. So what happens is God speaks to Moses. God says to Moses, Moses, you guys have been at Horeb too long. Horeb was a, a settling place that the Israelites had discovered, and they decided, cool, we'll stay here. And they built their tents, and they built whatever else they needed to live there. And actually, they stayed there for quite a long time. It was a comfortable place. They had water there. They had food. They had all of these things that they needed. But then God says, actually guys, it's time to go because you are not yet where I have called you to be. And I don't know about you, but I often feel like I'm in that space. I'm like, wow, I'm I'm in a good place, but I'm not yet where God has called me to be. There's so much more for me. And so God says to them, because they had gotten comfortable, God says to them, guys, it's time to pack up and break camp. It's time to pack everything up and start moving. And then a couple of things happen after that. The first one, is that Moses breaks them into tribes and gives them leaders. Because up until that point, they had been together in one place. It was relatively easy to manage. All the people were in a good space. But now they were moving. Now they were making a decision to move forward. And with that decision required strategy. And so Moses made a a, a proactive decision to create leadership over the people so that they could travel and get to where God needed them to be. And I, I believe that leadership is a key part of how we get to where God has called us to. Because actually in a community of believers, we have to head in a direction. The Bible says without a vision, people perish. And so leadership of our own lives personally and as a community is a very powerful and important thing. Then they go. They leave Horeb. They listen to God. God says, leave Horeb, and they go. They pack up their tents. It's hard work. It's, you can imagine, long hours. They pack it up, and they head to where they need to go. And then an interesting thing happens, which we're going to get to a little bit later, and because of this specific thing that happens, which I'll speak about, they refuse to enter the promised land. God has called them to it, but they refuse to enter it. And I don't know about you, but I passionately believe that God has got promised lands for each and every one of us. I passionately believe that God has got purposes over every one of our lives. And I think the challenge is sometimes if you've been in a church for any period of time, you often hear a Pentecostal preacher shouting how, You've got the promised land, brothers and sisters! And we hear this and we go, yeah! And then we go home and we have our steak for lunch. You know, it's like, it's this, yes, rah, rah moment. But actually the fundamental reality is that we've got to believe it. Because when we believe it, it leads to behavior that is powerful. And I believe for every single person in this room, because the Bible teaches us that you are a son and a daughter of God if you have committed your life to Christ Jesus. And when we enter into that personal relationship with Jesus, We step into a space of having a destiny that has been written and purposed by our Heavenly Father. He has written a destiny for you. Right now, it might not feel like you're in that destiny. But I believe wholeheartedly that God has got a specific purpose for specific people at specific times. And so what he's doing in this moment is he's presenting his preferred future to the people of Israel. He's saying, guys, I've got a future for you. You need to start going. And I believe that when we enter into a season of breaking camp, whether that is personally or corporately as a community, we're breaking camp by starting or planting a church in the city of Cape Town. Breaking camp requires resources, energy, people, time, all of these things. They are costly things in our own personal lives and when we break camp together as a community. But we believe God has spoken. And so we choose to give that energy and that time and that effort and faith. To see that city plant started. You see, God's got us at Horeb right now. We're in a great place. This is an epic church. You guys are amazing. We're in Milneton. Those guys are equally amazing. And apparently a little bit more lively, Leah. Which is good. But But actually, we are in a good place right now. But God is saying go. And so actually, maybe a couple of you decide to go on that journey of faith to plant a new church. We're going to miss you. But God's calling you to break camp. And I believe that there are three key questions we can ask ourselves when it's time to break camp. And today, as we explore these three questions, my heart would be that you do two things. The one is apply these questions to your own life. And secondly, apply these questions to any decisions that you make as a, as a I don't know, as a life group, as a business, as any of those things. We can apply these questions when we have a desire to make a decision or move in God. The first question I believe that is powerful for us to ask ourselves is, who told you? Simple question. Who told you? And I believe that this question deals with something called mandate. And if you don't know what a mandate is, no, it's not when a guy goes out with one of his friends. That isn't what a mandate is. No. A mandate is actually, it's an official order that is given by someone. It is an instruction that is given to someone. But that instruction comes with authority. You see, if my boss gives me a mandate, he says to me, can you fill out this paperwork? I do it. Why? Because the mandate has been given to me, and that mandate has been given with authority. Authority from my boss to do the work and that he has trusted me to do. The difference is, if I get told by one of my colleagues, can you fill out this paperwork, it becomes extremely optional. Why? Because the mandate has come from a different place of authority. And I believe that when we understand that when we receive a mandate from God, when it is him who tells us, not only do we receive the command, we receive the authority to do it. We receive the authority from heaven to complete the task that God has called us to do. You see, when God said to Israel, leave Horeb and go to the hill country, they received not only a command, they received heaven's authority to do what God had called them to do in that place. And that is why it is so key for us to ask, who told me? Who is the one giving me the mandate to do this thing? Because when I understand that, not only do I have a mandate, I have authority to do it. And so this morning, I'd love for us to engage with this question. And in Deuteronomy 1 verse 10, there's this uh, beautiful scripture. It carries on with the story. It says this. Then as the Lord God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went toward the hill country of the Amorites through all the vast and dreadful wildernesses, that sounds quite serious, um, that you have seen. And so we reached Kadesh Barnea. Then I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, this is Moses speaking, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it of it as the lord the god of your ancestors told you do not be afraid do not be discouraged i don't know about you but if someone came to me and gave me that um preach i'd be like okay i'm going but then there's this tragic line it says this then all of you came to me and said let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we are to take and the towns we will come to the reason that this line is so tragic is because the beginning of the story starts out very well. God says, Leave Harab and the people go. But the challenge is that God never told them to send out spies. God never told them to see, check out the land and check out the landscape and make sure that everything is the way that they think it is, or how are they going to take the next steps? God never told them to do that. God said take possession of the land. But they started to get clever, they started to make plans. And you see, the challenge is when we start to allow these things to happen, when we start to try and create our own way around the call of God, when we start to step into our own timing, our own actions, what happens? The voice of man starts to become louder than the voice of God. And so what did they do? They sent out these spies that should never have gone. The Bible says God said to them, take possession. Go. Go. The first time they saw any of the lands that they should have um, occupied should have been the day they arrived at the gates of the city. And then you can't go back. You're there. You've got to do it. But no, they sent out these spies. And what happened was these spies came back and said, well, guys, actually, the fruit is incredible. God's really called us to go to a really phenomenal land. He's got a phenomenal plan for us. But the giants are big. And what started to happen? They went from a front-footed, God's got something for us, to, oh, the giants are big, and we are not big. It actually says that the, the men that were part of these armies were enormous men. Can you imagine the fear that it instilled? All of these things started to take over, and so what started to happen is they allowed doubt from their human thinking and from the voice of man to creep in to the mandate that God had given them. And you see, the challenge for so many of us is often we get into a space where we're like, yes, I can do this. And we hear God and we start to follow God. And then slowly but surely, the voice of man starts to enter our worlds. You see, a couple of months ago in August last year, I had an amazing opportunity. A friend of mine from Joburg, Kevin Clark, who owns a roastery and a cafe, offered me to buy a roaster, a coffee roaster at a phenomenal price. And so I immediately over dinner with him said, yes, I want it. And then I backtracked a bit and phoned my wife and found out if it was okay that we bought this coffee roaster. Amen. Um, and we bought the ro- I bought the roaster, and then uh, Kate and I started to chat, and we said, you know, well, maybe this could be a business opportunity. And, and I started to feel God in it in the still, small voice. He didn't appear to me one Monday morning and say, you must start a coffee business that often isn't how it works. Now, I felt in God to start a coffee business, and so I started the process, and and part of starting that coffee business meant that I had to step off staff here full-time, and you see, a full-time job is an amazing thing, because it offers you security, that is just what it is, for any business owners in this room, you will know that when you start that journey, you abdicate a lot of security in in a paycheck at the end of the month. But I felt it in God, and so we started a conversation and and started chatting. And what happened was I moved to two days a week here at the church, and then I was going to go on this adventure. And then it got to kind of February, and I'm very excited, very excited. And and then I had to stop working at the end of April. And all of a sudden, every Saturday morning when Kate and I were in the kitchen making breakfast, I started to go, ooh, I don't know if this is a good idea. Because the reality is you start to process real things. Will we have enough money? Will we be able to get through the end of the month? Oh, you have rent money. All of these things you start to process. And they are good things to process. But every time, every Saturday morning when I had my little crisis, I had to remind myself, no, God is calling me to do this. God has said I must do this. And so I, I acquired the wisdom of men because wise counsel from men is a good thing. I chatted to businessmen who helped me start to put a plan together. I spoke to pastors and leaders who I respect and love and who spoke into my life. And and guess what? Some of the words those guys spoke were maybe this isn't a wise decision. But wisdom is a good thing. But it never supersedes the Word of God. And so we need to seek out the Word of men. The Word of men is good, but the Word of God is better. And we have to understand that when God calls us to something, we've got to hold on to that. We've got a white knuckle when the Word of God comes to us. Say, I'm going to hold on to this future. And for some of you in this room, you've had victories in God, but you feel like you are stagnant in this season. Or maybe you're holding on to those old victories and you don't see the need for future break camp moments. I want to tell you, God has more for you. But we've got to ask ourselves, who's telling me? Who's speaking into my world? In John 5, 19, Jesus says this. He says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Now to give you a little bit of context to the scripture, what had happened just before this is Jesus had healed a paralyzed man. How phenomenal. How phenomenal you being in a meeting one day, there's a paralyzed man in that meeting, and all of a sudden he walks. But the authorities of the day, the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, actually, today's the Sabbath. Today's Sunday. You're not allowed to do that on Sundays, according to the law that they followed. And they were trying to catch Jesus out, trying to say to him, hey, hey, you're not doing this stuff right. You know what Jesus' response was? They asked him the question, why are you doing this? His response very simply was this, because God told me to. And in my heart and in my mind, there is no better answer to that question. Why are you doing this? Because God told me to. Why are you starting a soup kitchen in the noon? Because God told me to. Why are you choosing to go to a different job? Well, because God told me to. Why are you choosing to start a business? Because God told me to. Why are you choosing to maybe have a child in, this, in the midst of a situation that doesn't make complete sense? Because God tells you to. Because if God gives it to us, He will sustain it. You see, when we start looking to man, we start looking to men's resources. When we start looking to man, we start looking at what they can give us instead of the provision of the father over us. And you know what the response of sons and daughters are? My father told me to. I believe this has to carry so deep inside our hearts. Because when we carry this, we can weather immense storms. But the Israelites forgot who told them. They forgot who had spoken into their hearts. You see, when we have to be hearing God before, during, and after we break camp. You see, it's great before, but you've got to continue hearing Him through the time that you're breaking camp, that you're moving, that you're taking ground. Why? Because we always have to be reminded. We forget very quickly. We have to be reminded of how good and how glorious our Savior is. Who's the loudest voice in your life? Is it your wife? Is it a preacher? Is it your boss? Is it, who's the loudest voice in your life? I want to tell you so, ma'am. Work. Hard to make Jesus the loudest voice in your life. Choose to, to quieten those other voices. Often voices that are good. But make sure that they are not the primary one that you listen to. Because I promise you, if you test God, He will come through every time. Every single time. If you're not sure about this Jesus journey, take a chance on Jesus. He will come through for you every time. Because that is His nature. When our mandate is clear, our movement is powerful. When we move in God, there is power behind that. Why? Because He gives us authority. The first question, which is such a powerful one, is who told you? The second question is very simply this. Why are you? Why are you doing what you're doing? And I believe that this question lends to something called motive. And motive is a big thing for us as people. Because everything that we do is driven by something. Throughout this series and, and for a long time, we as a leadership have made this statement we serve a God who speaks, not one who simply opens doors. Now, for some of you, you might be sitting here well, and going, Well, if God opens the door, surely I should take it. Well, no, actually, God speaks. His word is what we follow, not opportunities. You see, there's this phenomenal scripture, Psalm 34, verse uh, 37, verse 4, says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, the Bible promises us that God knows our desires. And I believe that God often puts desires in our hearts for his glory. But the beginning part of that scripture says, take delight in the Lord. See, when we take delight in the Lord, we start to live our lives according to the plan that He has purposed. Our desires submit to His timing. Our desires submit to His purposes. And you see, open-door Christianity often does the opposite. It says, well, this is my desire. Oh, there's an opportunity. Let me chase it. I absolutely love traveling. I've only started doing it very recently. Um, But for years and years, I really had a desire to go overseas. And by God's unbelievable grace, I have had the opportunity to see six countries this year. Some of them for only a few hours, but I've seen, and it has been amazing. Often when I'm at home busy roasting coffee, I'm daydreaming about the countries that I desire to go and visit. I love, I love traveling. I desire to travel more. And actually, by chance, because my dad was born in Scotland, I have a British passport. Surely that's an open door. I should go. I should move. Because I desire it and I've got the opportunity. But what has God said? And I think so often we see an open door and we have a desire and the fruit of that thing is very little. Why? Because we didn't go, okay, God, what are you saying in this moment? Desires are good things. But when we place our desires over faith, we start to walk in disobedience. And the fruit of disobedience, unfortunately, the Bible teaches us, is death. It's this thing of actually outside of dis, outside of obedience to Christ, I will not walk in everything that He has for me. You see, the Israelites desired comfort. They had, had a rough time in Egypt. It was tough for them. If you go and read the story, they were slaves in Egypt. They built the pyramids for the, the guys of the time. It was terrible for them for the pharaohs. And actually, they had a horrible time in Egypt. God took them out of Egypt. Then they started wandering around the the desert for years. You can imagine, once they got to Horeb, they were like, we finally found somewhere we can be comfortable. And isn't that a fair desire? I just want to be comfortable. But then God says, move. And as soon as they face adversity, they stop hearing the voice of God, they defer to their desires, and they want to go back. They want to go, I just want to go back to my comfort. No, comfort is a good thing. But actually, when God speaks, it supersedes our desires. And I believe that when we can answer this question of why am I doing this, it allows us to process through, well, is this me? Is this the flesh? Is this me figuring stuff out for myself? Or is this God speaking? You see, I am a plan maker. I will make a plan to get what I want in life. I will figure out ways to do it. And actually, starting this coffee business actually wasn't a desire from last year. It's been a desire of mine for many, many years. And probably three or four times, opportunities have cropped up that I could have forced my way into to start this business. But every time those opportunities cropped up, I asked God. And every time, He said, no. And I chose not to step into that, even though it was the desire of my heart. And I believe that the reason that God is blessing my business now is because I chose to hear His voice in those seasons. You see, these are tough things sometimes because desires are real things. And we want to pursue things. And we want the things that we believe we should have. But actually, God's plan is always better. The Bible says that the purposes of God are good, pleasing, and perfect. It doesn't say that they're easy. It doesn't say that they'll happen overnight. It just says that they're good, pleasing, and perfect. You see, when our motive is good, our movement is sustainable. When we are moving in the will of God, He sustains it. When we are moving in our will, we sustain it, and that's a problem, because eventually we will falter, but God doesn't falter. I believe God is doing something in us as a community where we are not called simply to break camp as a church, but actually in individual lives. I believe that there are so many things in our city that are yet to happen, and they will start to happen because people in this room put up their hands and start pursuing God in the areas that He's called them to. See, sometimes we can categorize it as ministry. You know, if, if, I'm, if, I'm doing, if I'm preaching or if I'm leading things in church or if I'm doing all that, those are good things. But God has put things on your life to make a difference in this city. He's placed those things on your life to walk into. And all we have to do is go, God, who's telling me? What's my motive? And then the last question we need to ask ourselves, and I believe this is so powerful, is who is waiting? Who is waiting on the other side of our obedience? We use this phrase. It says very simply this. On the other side of our obedience, people are waiting. People are waiting. In Deuteronomy 1, seven, it says, Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring people. God's call is always toward people. Jesus didn't die so that businesses could thrive. Jesus died so that people could get saved. I believe that businesses thriving are part of his plan, but fundamentally I believe he calls us to people. Jesus said a very simple thing. He said, go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What is he saying in that moment? He's saying, guys, I need you to reach the world. And how do we reach the world? We hear the voice of God, and we start to pursue the voice of God. We step into the spaces that God has planned for us, and all of a sudden, people become a reality very quickly. I believe that on the other side of any obedience, people are waiting. For those ladies that made it to the Arise conference, we had an incredible time, and, and we, we, we worked hard to make that incredible time happen. The staff worked hard. The guys, we are late hours. Janae was sold, and, and, and Jerry, where are you, Jerry? They were soldering lights in that room at two in the morning. Yes, there's a room behind that wall. Um, at two in the morning, they were soldering lights so that we could get them ready for the conference. The guys worked tireless hours. They put big energy and effort in. It was a big, big weekend. When we got here on Tuesday morning for our staff meeting, everybody had flu, about two people. We have a staff of 12, two people didn't have flu. Everybody else was sick. But then we started to do something which was so interesting is we just started to share just one story each from the weekend. And all of a sudden, God started to share about people who had no intention of coming and came and are starting to find healing. People who committed their lives to Christ. People who are finding freedom in Jesus. People who were suffering with, um, with, with grief that was debilitating. And because of Jackie and Rich's stories, are starting to find life in that space. All of a sudden, people started to share. And can I tell you? The week and a half of tireless work before that just melts away. You know, gosh, God, that's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. You see, when we live in the call of God, it won't necessarily be easy, but it will be worth it. Why? Because people are waiting on the other side. Stories are waiting on the other side. We've got to get over our little offenses and the things that so quickly entangle our feet and stop us from walking in the call of God. A great friend of mine who I loved so passionately started to worry more about what leaders thought of him than what he started to worry uh, worried about, what God had called him to, and it tripped him up in a radical way. He was an impactful man in this community. But all of a sudden, the voice of man got bigger than the voice of God, and he got tripped up by the enemy's plans. We have to silence our ears to those things and start going, God, you've got plans and purposes for me. Now, you might be sitting here this morning and going, well, Tyler, I don't really like people okay, okay, I can work with that. There was a guy in our church. He's still very much in our church. I won't tell you his name, but um, but he, he joined our youth ministry. When I was 16 years old, Gabe was 21. I think he was leading the youth. And this guy was also about 21, 22. And he came and he said to, um, to Gabe, he said, Gabe, I don't like people. I really don't. So I'll do the media. I'll click the slides at youth. And Gabe went, okay. And he said, you click those slides like you've never clicked them in your life before. And, and so he did. And he made media for us, but he never spoke to a soul. He spoke to me and Gabe and one or two other of his friends. You know what's phenomenal today? That guy leads a life group in our militant congregation. He's got 20 people in his home group. All of a sudden, he's loving people. Why? Because he broke camp. His natural way of living would never have seen him clicking slides at a youth ministry. Would have seen him playing games at home. But actually, right now, he's leading a life group in our church. Why? Because he took a step of faith. And God honors faith. I want to tell you that on the other side of any step of obedience for God, there are people waiting. And we want to live with that burning inside our hearts. You see, when our mission is people, our movement is worthwhile. We exist for salvation. Why are we planting a church in town? Because we want to see people get saved we plant that church and we use endless resources and years and years of energy and all those things, and one person comes to know Christ, it's worth it. That is true of us as a corporate body, but can I tell you that is also true of each and every person in this room. If you put endless hours of energy and effort into what you believe God's called you to, I promise you, if one person hears the gospel, it's worth it. Why? Because we've got eternity ahead of us. But there are people who need to be pulled into the kingdom of God. And actually, Jesus is saying, I want to use you. Can you believe it? Don't tell anyone. He wants to use you. Not the preacher. Not the amazing leader. Not the leadership podcast that you listen to. No, he wants to use you. Because you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. I want to tell you, there will always be giants. There will always be big walls. There will always be armies waiting to try and stop what God has done. But I want to tell you that we have a Father in heaven who is more powerful than any of those things. He's more glorious than anything we could ever imagine. And His resources are not just sufficient, they are all sufficient. That is the God we serve. And I trust as I speak these words, very simply our perspectives would start to change. Our perspectives would start to shift. That actually God has got purposes and plans for us. When our mandate is clear, our movement is powerful. When our motive is good, our movement is sustainable. And when our mission is people, our movement is worthwhile. We've got to live in this space, guys. Mission is not for a select few. It is for every single believer.